and welcome to Getting to Show You, a podcast where my friend Balta and I take turns introducing each other and you, the listener, to media that we love. I'm Lou, and this season, I have the pleasure of getting to show you DuckTales 2017. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, this is part of a season, and I highly recommend listening to the other episodes before this one. And we're in season two now, which we is very exciting. Two. It is very exciting, because season one obviously is mostly set up, and season two is like going into the meat of it, and most importantly, the lore of it. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have now chosen a new way to separate the episodes. There will be more episodes um, for season two, even though there's the same amount of episodes in the show it's very confusing <laughs> because we're talking about seasons and seasons and episodes and episodes but we will be only be discussing four episodes of DuckTales this episode of podcast mm -hmm. yeah so we'll find smaller bits to make yeah. everything that's happening a lot more manageable because a lot is happening even in these first four episodes is wild <laughs> Do you want to just dive right in to episode yeah. one? Yeah, yeah then, sure. then let's go. 2-1, the most dangerous game. Night. I, th I think something that you said probably last episode or maybe in between somewhere is that season two is kind of like every episode is a small movie. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I immediately felt that yeah. in this <laughs> first episode. Um, I mean, this episode, I've mentioned it before, but this episode is um, sort of the one that I believe makes me laugh the hardest. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a large part of that is because it's Louis-focused and Bobby mm -hmm. Minahan, just the way he delivers lines makes me laugh so hard every time. Yeah. And But this, this time I also know this, it's not just the way the lines are delivered. The visual humor is so much more extreme than in the season before. Like, uh -huh. they work with, like, facial expressions and like effects and things that you're used to from like live action media but they yeah. really 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 put so much effort into the animation that like everything is just framed in a funny way in this episode yeah i really have a feeling they up their game between mm -hmm. seasons and that's saying a lot because it <laughs> was already pretty impressive very true <laughs> I don't know, I just love how this episode, like, throws you right into the action. Like, they're, of course, back again on another adventure. They're in a in an old cool temple. And um, it's funny because, like, we, the audience, know a little bit of the formula, especially, like, for us who analyze it. <laughs> yeah, who know that this is media, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and also, um, then it's very cool that... Louis also like notices this pattern of yeah. oh yeah we find we find a treasure oh no something's going wrong oh there's a curse oh no <laughs> Louis almost dies or what whatever he says um so yeah he he's that was a little bit of a meta moment and I really loved that yeah and it is actually um like he says that it's whoa wait what and it really is apparently I I haven't had the time to check but. Allegedly, every episode of season one has someone saying, wait, what? At mm -hmm. one point. Yeah. So this is really, really a formula that really is in the show. They didn't just make it up for the joke. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's such a good way to set that up. And then also to show Louis' qualities as an adventurer. Mm. Like going from, <laughs> I love the way uh, uh, Huey was like, you 
are there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really love how they like give everyone their own strengths. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, I've mentioned before that I feel like every season is sort of dedicated to one triplet. And this is sort mm. of the Louis season. So uh, we get like a better look at like his motivations and his anxieties and what mm. drives him and what makes him like a valuable part of the team. All of those things. Yeah, and I thought it was very cool because you can watch, like you said in in the last episode, that um, he has really like some some deep mm. layers that don't really get explored that much, and it comes through now and then in season one. But this new ep- like this the start of the new season from the first moment on screen on you see okay something is up with louis everybody's on this old cool temple adventure and he's just trotting along looking kind of depressed in his hoodie which uh, <laughs> mood <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um and uh yeah there's like such attention to detail and the way um he you know, uses the talents that we already know he has, like manipulating people. Oh, when he, he when he goes to Huey, like, oh, you're slipping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a little Con bit man. scary, honestly. He yeah. can be so scary. Yeah, um, that it, it that is a big theme in this season as well. Like, we're mm-hmm. so lucky that Louis is one of the good guys. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and then it all builds up to this moment of him going like our mom was really good at adventuring and she still got lost and I'm not even good at it. uh, So what happens if I run out of luck or um, how long until that's not enough? I think he said, so that was such a cool moment and such a good way to build up to that because that's also something that I felt like in the previous season um, that in the background, uh, like underneath layers of and layers of sarcasm and everything else, Louis is still deeply hurt by losing his mom and he rarely ever talks about it but now of course because they have this new information a lot of that that's a lot more on the surface for him and yeah I thought it was really cool to to build this up like that yeah I think it's really cool how they figured out like what what it is that makes Louis sort of an outsider in the family why he is the way he is why he wants like an easy way out of things and stuff like that because he like truly doesn't believe that he can do what everyone else in the family can Mm, yeah but also like this is such a beautiful episode for like the family for showing their dynamic how everyone plays together but it is truly one of the funniest episodes in this entire show to me like every Mm -hmm. joke is absolutely wildly funny and it just works this balance works so well like like i truly believe that this would be the episode i would show people who've never seen ducktales like Mm -hmm. i i I might pick that one because it's just perfect yeah that's fair i can see why it's also um the characters and the dynamics and the whole theme of the show which is family and how it doesn't really matter if you're related or not you can still be family yeah. i love it's the all whole, in there you know the the dewey and webby uh, side plot of yeah. them harmonizing perfectly and working so well together during their adventures but then failing completely at game night <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh so hard it was very good. and um and how then scrooge goes like oh you're you're not friends you're family yeah 
very very cool like there's so much happening in this one episode also gyro is there oh, which of course <laughs> was a true delight for me <laughs> and of course he yeah. uh, makes a normal board game night that's already pretty intense even more intense <laughs> by <sighs> developing that there's a, a tiny nation of people mm. in the house i also um, love the uh frank Agona said that this is truly the episode where uh Gyro officially gave up on learning the nephew's names and just calls yeah. them by color. <laughs> I think so that good. is very funny. <laughs> I love that trait. And I, um, like, of course, I'm not doing anything that could be spoilers, but right now I'm reading a, a comic book of uh, Gyro oh. <laughs> comics. And so I'm very primed on whatever he has got going on. Of course, like, uh, the comic version is very different from this uh, like he's very close with with the nephews but then in the comics um like the triplets don't, don't have specific uh like characteristics mm. or you know they're not that different they're just a unit um and uh, so I, I love this this idea of the combination of these two where like maybe gyro eventually ends up being very close with the triplets but still calls them the blue one the green one the red one that would be I, honestly cool. i can tell you for sure if he ever but i b- truly believe he never learns their names yeah i think good for him he has more ambi- yeah, important it's, stuff he has to more do. important thing to, things to think about true yeah it's amazing <laughs> Uh, yeah it's truly it's one of my favorite episodes of the entire show and sort of it also has this almost bottle episode feel to it with everything Mm -hmm. being said like inside the mansion so Mm -hmm. that's it's just it's really fun it's really cool and most characters get to be there that's also like Mm -hmm. unusual and once again like i have so many like so many episodes i have just a note that's a line of oh this and that character team up hell yeah and of course <laughs> this episode was a launch pack and this is the team up hell yeah because that is that's... also that did we reach that part yet oh fuck i don't know what episode no i think that's later but they do team up again and it's very funny mm-hmm. yeah i just love the random combinations of characters that they throw together yeah. sometimes and how they interact with each other uh yeah I very love good. that. That's very cool. Also, I, even though I believe every line... This is like the um, Tothra episode where every line is my favorite line. Um, mm-hmm. But I did write down, because that is also the one that makes me laugh when I just remember it. It's the... Mm-hmm. When when uh, they think that Launchpad and Iron and everyone got crushed under the tower and then Launchpad mm-hmm. actually calls them back and like Louis and Hugh start crying yeah. on the phone and to explain it he goes like it's so nice to talk to friends on the phone it's so much more personal than texting it's my favorite <laughs> line yeah. it's so good and then That's also like the, the Scrooge is okay in response very good like mm-hmm. alright these fucking kids Who yeah knows? and it's it's very funny that they don't really question it that much it's yeah like, exactly yeah, these kids like, are right. weird. of course maybe sometimes they are very intense about phone calls yeah, who knows <laughs> you know i sometimes cry making phone calls for different <laughs> reasons <laughs> god but yeah that line so. delivery gets me every time it's so mm-hmm. much more personal than texting yeah Doing the sniffs i think my favorite line in this episode uh was i mean they're all my um, favorite lines yeah, it's it's a very the, the script is so good for this one, but I think it was uh when uh, Scrooge and Donald team up for for game night, and Scrooge goes like, "If you lose, you're out of the will." And I Donald goes, "I was will. in the will." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. 
it's good. I mean, I knew that I wouldn't write down every line because I knew it would yeah. be too much. But yeah, that one would have been on my list. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I just also love that, like, despite the fact that it's Donald and we all know how he gets with his luck and or absence of luck and everything that Scrooge still decides he needs to team up with Donald because like they've been through stuff together they can they yep. can like best their enemies in board game night hell yeah <laughs> Okay, That's a nice good. touch too, because yes, on the one hand, the joke is like, oh, you can't understand Donald, so obviously you would be good at charades with him, but mm -hmm. also like this little hint that, you know, they used to be on adventures together, so mm -hmm. Scrooge knows that Donald can be a really good partner in crime, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. That was very cool. And just, yeah, the whole, like, family theme of it, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's a very strong episode Probably. on all levels. I also have one fun fact that I learned researching this episode. You know, you know how the opening is like this classic Indiana Jones bit, right? Yeah. So it turns out that Indiana Jones got that bit from not DuckTales, but the comics, the Carl Barks comics. Really? There is this bit where like the, a statue that looks like this gets stolen and like it sets off a trap where a boulder chases mm -hmm. uh, people. That is from a Scrooge McDuck comic that Steven Spielberg took inspiration from for Indiana Jones. That and then later amazing. on, the 80s DuckTales movie took inspiration again from Indiana Jones with a lot of the iconographic uh, details, like the font and everything. So yeah. this is like this... Ouroboros of a reference <laughs> that's happening here. <laughs> that's absolutely incredible because, like, this this whole bit of, like, arrows coming from the ground up, the statue that's actually, like, yeah. a trap, um, yeah. something like that, the boulder chasing someone down a tunnel, that is so connected to Indiana Jones and, in, like, in pop culture reference. <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny to think that this is actually yeah. a, a silly duck cartoon where that comes from. Yeah. Or like the, a the Seven Cities of Cibola, Cibola uh -huh. or whatever it's called. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's apparently the name of that comics from the 50s, I believe. And yeah, huge inspiration for Steven Spielberg making that's cool. like scrooge mcduck in general was apparently like an inspiration <laughs> sort of for the character like this um adventuring um thing like this almost yeah. double life where like at home it's a guy and then goes on these huge adventures not in a superhero sense because people know who he is but like mm -hmm. apparently that was a big inspiration there yeah and, and um, not a lot of people even i didn't know that it's this specific sequence was taken from a Scrooge mm -hmm. comic. Damn. We we will talk about Indiana Jones probably at some point in this podcast because I haven't seen any yeah. of them. But <laughs> listen, even you know this opening sequence of yeah. Indiana Jones. Everyone knows it. So it's that's because, wild. Like it's, I said, it's very like it's, very far spread in pop culture. It's that but iconic. I, yeah. But I always thought it was like an original um Indiana Jones thing, and no, they just took it. It's like uh, um, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. That's apparently Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You, but, you know, both are good. <laughs> oh, this is very good. Um, next one? Hell yeah, let's move on to 2-2, two, two, The Depths of Cousin Fethry. That one had me so excited. I love Ooh. deep sea stuff. I'm, oh, I... Ah, that's so cool. 
I I don't know. I love when they go scuba oh, yeah. diving. I love when people go in submarines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. It is always a cool theme. And this mm-hmm. is truly an episode. Apparently, the reason they really want an episode for Cousin Fat 3 is because he's very, very big in Europe. Which, uh-huh. personally, as a European, I was not aware of. Interesting. <laughs> um but like apparently everyone was really excited to get to do this character, and I, I, that one like seemed to really have strayed a bit from source material because the character has been all over the place in the past and like comics mm-hmm. and readaptations and everything. So they kind of tried to take from everything to create this kooky, um, sort of crazy cousin with a heart of mm-hmm. gold. That's fun. I like that. I don't think i knew him or like recognized him from anything i honestly also didn't recognize him so it's wild to me that they were like yeah the european audience will love this guy (laughs) i I did love him but i didn't i didn't really know him but maybe because i didn't read a lot of those um comics Mm, apparently he features a bunch of those could be yeah i don't know so yeah i had a lot of like fun with the setup already but the episode itself also just very very good and like once again felt like a complete movie like (laughs) bunched into these 20 25 minutes uh so much is happening there and it's like a whole like fully fleshed out plot it's basically a horror movie at some parts yeah there's a little bit of alien in there for sure uh yeah with the tentacle uh worm beasts (laughs) that was very very funny um and with like the flickering lights and Mm. being so deep down there nobody else is around um and suddenly uh, um it all goes dark and i think the the thing that saves it for like and and still makes it uh good for like kids media is feathery as a character because you can't put a guy like that in a situation like that and he will still find you know many ways to make it lighthearted and fun Uh, i mean fun fact just uh feathery is voiced by tom canny so that is Mm -hmm. a fucking steal there um get getting that guy for a character like this obviously he's going to create something that is super lovable yeah Um, the the thing was I was like, I, I said through this whole episode, I was like, I know this voice. I know this voice. <laughs> Didn't recognize it because, like, he... I, I, I did watch SpongeBob a lot as a kid, but in German, in German. I would recognize this, yeah. like the German voice actor of SpongeBob everywhere. Did not recognize. This but guy. T- to be fair, I really know his English voice very well, and I don't he remember so if I recognized stuff. him. Um, off the bat when I watch DuckTales like if I yeah. had to look it up or not because it is yeah. a very I mean he is a voice actor he's mm-hmm. very good at it so it, mm-hmm. it is a very different voice but I mean just goes to show man is a genius yeah I, I, I checked his IMDB yep. it's like 570 yep. different things on there a machine it's so <laughs> much yeah and I, th- I feel like he has a very recognizable voice um yeah. and like he does very fun things with the voice um but i mean that that's going nowhere but the, the like the german voice actor for spongebob <laughs> his voice has ruined other media for me yeah unfortunately yeah. it's so recognizable and it's to true. me it's just yeah. spongebob yeah. and one of the um 
characters in Queer as Folk is voiced oh, no. by that voice actor. And he is a little bit of a, like, I don't want to say pathetic character because I love him very much, but you cannot take him seriously and it's so bad. Oh, that is... But yeah. Oh, but yeah, no, yeah, that guy, unfortunately, tough, <laughs> tough world for him out there. That's for sure. I mean, but Tom yeah. Kenny, I don't think, has that specific problem. Probably not. And just, well, once again, the visuals of this episode oh, were yeah. very, very cool. Yeah. Apparently they involved, that they don't do that all the time, but this time they had, during the development of the story, they already involved the art department. So mm -hmm. they knew, like, they could, like, create this um, whole uh, lab, underwater lab, and, like, with where to go, where would this be, where would this work out, can we animate this, uh, just before they even like had the full story so they could base that on what the art department could do or mm -hmm. has done so that was that is really cool yeah that's also very smart and i lo love the design of that like underwater like deep sea science station yeah it, I... it looked a little bit like you know these mars colonies yeah um, like the the ideas that people have for that you know these little hubs um connected by tunnels and of course, like a perfect setting, like I said, for a horror movie, because you could be in one of these little pods and then the connection is severed and the tunnel is gone and you're just on your own, <laughs> which is a little bit what they did. But, you know, fortunately, they had like scuba diving uh, gear <laughs> yeah. no, Even it is. in the right colors, which I loved. So cute, yeah. <laughs> so you could still tell which one is which. I mean, what I really love about DuckTales is like, in the end, they always come through with the message because mm -hmm. like you watch this episode and I mean, we talk about this many, many times, um, but if you're like neurodivergent and like the weird one and the one who's always laughed at and not taken seriously, it like kind of hurts watching a character like mm -hmm. Fethery and the way he's treated and like mm -hmm. that even Huey, who's like the odd one in the triplet mm -hmm. group, is like turns against him. But yeah. this is, but DuckTales always in the end comes through with like, it's okay to be weird and it's mm -hmm. good to be weird and you should yeah. just be yourself and you have your strengths and you don't have to be like everyone else. And it's just always amazing because I'm so used to media like really slapping me across the face with like, mm -hmm. it's we are all going to laugh at someone now and that's funny. Yeah. So having a media that consistently says being weird is good and you mm -hmm. and like being loved is like you deserve that and everyone deserves mm -hmm. that it's always it always gets me like every time i'm like oh yeah holy shit they really they did yeah. it right huh <laughs> yes it's like because like a lot of the time i i see that that it's like there's this quirky kind of weird that's acceptable and mm -hmm. then everything else like crosses the line and is too much but this episode specifically was like okay yeah there is quirky weird like qe um, who sometimes gets not quirky weird and like uncomfortably weird and, or webby as well like yeah. um, and people have find have to find ways to deal with it but there already are like beloved characters and you know we might forgive them more easily but there's this new even weirder character and even the weird guy here like Huey is a little bit uh, like taken aback and then in the end, they're still like, okay, yeah, but his weirdness also brings something to the table that we need and that saves the day in the end. And uh, very good. Yeah. I mean, I just love that about DuckTales. Like, I can mm -hmm. always trust him to come through. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then also, um, I mean, 
everybody would get very strange if you lived under the sea alone with nothing but krill for a couple of years yeah. like that's one thing yeah he is supposed to have gone a little bit sea mad as well yeah on top of I lo- being a weird person <laughs> i love that ripped up poster in his like bedroom <laughs> janitor's closet where it's like ocean madness and you can't read it because you know he's been there too long and it's yeah. been there too long and he yeah. definitely has it mm-hmm and that's okay. Um, yeah. And then also that that moment where like he's so excited about, about the rainbow krill. Yeah. That was so sweet yeah. and for a moment I was even a little bit mad at Huey and Dewey going like, "Oh, it's just rainbow krill." And it's so boring. I was like, "Rainbow krill it's is amazing. <laughs> what what are you guys talking about? This is so cool." And to be um, fair, they're used to much more impressive stuff. That's true. For us, Rainbow Krill is like the highlight of a day. Mm-hmm. For them, it's like nothing. That's yeah. nothing. And I mean, in the end, they get in the end they get giant Rainbow Krill. Hell yeah! Oh, <laughs> is such a darling. Love her so much. What a um, cute Mitzi, character design. Very cool. I also love how Dewey in the end loves this piece so much that <laughs> he wants it named after himself. <laughs> What was I, it? Dunificent Krill Krill the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, just in general, always I'm I'm such a sucker for stories of like bonding with a beast. Like yeah. love is sort of the answer to like someone's monstrosity, I guess. Yeah. It always gets me. It's very sweet. Oh god. The people writing these should do a take on Frankenstein. Just just putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to think, did they? <laughs> yeah. Not, <laughs> not in that in way, face. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't um, slip up, you know? This is like, I can't fucking slip up here. <laughs> in yeah. a way, they do a, in a, a very loose way, maybe, arguably, mm-hmm. later on. But we we can get, we can discuss that. Okay, then. can't wait. I hope Tyra is involved. Um <laughs> Of course, Launchpad goes on a little fun side quest. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> like I said, this is such a good running gag throughout the show. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because it's always like, yeah, Launchpad brings them there. But what does he do when he's there? Oh, he, like, helps his exes. Or not ex. I mean, that is a sort of a funny thing about Launchpad. Like, canonically, he loves all of his ex-partners. Like, this is, mm-hmm. like, he, it's not like he dumps them or anything. Like, he truly, fully loves every single one. And yeah. there is a very nice theme that he might be poly in mm-hmm. in that that I really love because it's like always someone else in every episode. I mean, every time it's like, yeah, sure, he loves them. There's just obstacles, you know. He probably can't stay there because he yeah, has exactly. a job to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, favorite line. What's yours? I have um, two. Wait, did we just steal a sub? Immediate cut to the intro. <laughs> that was a very good one. <laughs> also very impressed by the fact that Launchpad didn't crash it. <laughs> it was still, like, he bumped into the, he did bump, into the yeah. tower a little bit, but yeah. it wasn't completely crashed. <laughs> very impressive. 
Uh, no, my favorite ones were like right at the beginning and right at the end of the episode. The first one was when uh, Scrooge went tatami tartan. <laughs> I cannot do it, but you know, that was. It, it, what does it even mean? Who knows? But it's amazing. Apparently, they they sometimes some of it is written, but sometimes they also let David like do it do a Scottish. Like they're yeah. like, hey, this is space for you to fill it with like Scottish turns of phrases <laughs> for authenticity, and it's unclear. Which part of it is him and which part of it is script? So yeah, that was. Pretty <laughs> I just good. think he had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, and then the other one, the one that right at the end, um, absolutely killed me <laughs> was when Huey went, "Let's go home and convince them." Oh yeah, that was Louis' idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good. One. I almost wrote that down too. It's. Also the delivery, like, this mm-hmm. is, yes, we always do this when we go off without Louis, yeah. we somehow convince Uncle Scrooge this was Louis' idea. <laughs> and it's, it, I think it's especially funny because I would have, like, I wouldn't have expected it from him, but it's, he says it so casually that you seem like, yeah, this, they do that all the time. Yeah, because it's also <laughs> it's like, Louis do. doesn't really care about getting in trouble, yeah. but Huey cares very much, I assume. Yeah. Um, I, I assume if Huey and Louis teamed up, they also do the same to Dewey. They're like, let's convince us which was Dewey's idea. Yeah. But, yeah, this is a very good line. Yeah. Nice. So I think that's all that I have for that one. Okay, then let's move on to mm-hmm. two, three, the Ballad of Duke Baloney, which, honest, God, what an episode! Uh-huh. I have thoughts, but let's just—I mean, first of all, two maritime themes in a row is uh-huh. a bold choice yeah. for a show like this. I gotta and say, also bold a choice. Treat, a treat, especially for me, <laughs> because oh. I once again yeah. loved it. Like uh, yeah, when you said that earlier, I was like, oh hell yeah, we <laughs> got the right episodes. <laughs> Yeah, and like immediately we get introduced to this, like these very cool albatross seagull characters. They are so cool. I love them so much. They're so <sighs> genuinely sweet and lovable. They're such I... good side characters. Also, like this this very cool butch fisher person right? called Man. I'm obsessed. <laughs> so like... good. Also, like uh, it's yeah. not fisher man. It's fisher person. Like yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, non-binary royal. I don't know what you prefer. Absolutely. I think we never find out. But yeah, but um, not sure if they come back. If they ever do, I will celebrate because I love them. Uh, Yeah, they were perfect, perfect characters for sure. But I mean, yeah, this is a big like. Oh, this is just a movie in a show. Yeah. Moments. Yes. I mean, we do get this this flashback to the season one finale. Uh, with uh, all these shadows and stuff and like it's an um, interesting point to pick up on like oh of course apparently Glomgold has been gone for these past months and nobody knows where he is and I guess nobody really cared (laughs) (laughs) I mean Um, maybe a little bit but not really no it's just you know somebody else owns his company now and he's just gone (laughs) whatever (laughs) um I mean, this is, like, it's just a perfect, like, this episode is so well made. It's like a movie. It's like, it's just, it contained somehow. And Frank O'Connor's also said they almost wanted none of the Duck family to be in it. Um, mm-hmm. To, like, genuinely have it as, like, a standalone movie almost. Whoa, but um, yeah. they didn't, like, want to set that precedent for the show that, you that you know, because the Duck family is supposed to be the focus yeah. they're supposed to be there yeah. but I, th- I thought that Webby and Louis was a great choice 
mm-hmm. uh, for that. And uh, like also that little line that he has, oh, yeah, fishing, the thing we came here for. <laughs> like, yeah, and of course, you have to go on an adventure. You can't do normal things. <laughs> yeah. But I think one thing that I loved most about this episode and why I'm always excited to get to that episode is when I watched it the first time and that dream sequence happens, I was sitting there like, this has got to be a reference to Maya Doran's Meshes of the Afternoon. And I was, because I studied film studies and one of my favorite directors I've discovered through that was Maya Doran, who was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this uh, experimental avant-garde filmmaker from the uh, 40s and 50s. And she, like, her movies were absolutely groundbreaking. Like, they are some of the most influential movies of that uh, genre and era. And... Like even a- another favorite director of mine, Ingmar Bergman, was hugely inspired by her work. In my opinion, I wrote a term paper on that, but it, hmm. the, the references are very obvious. And so many filmmakers that are now referenced originally took their inspiration from her movies. Mm-hmm. But she's still somehow very, like, not very well known to most people. Like only like hardcore filmmakers really care about mm-hmm. her work. Like me, I'm not a filmmaker, but I really, really, really love her work. And I sat there and I like, that has to be like, it's so, it feels so much like a reference to that, Mm -hmm. her first movie that was already like the greatest thing she's ever made. Like just first film, nailed it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Frank Agonis then, like I've mentioned before, has this Twitter thread where he talks about every episode and he confirmed that they were looking to like surrealist movie makers and stuff for like a dream sequence. And they were like, okay, everyone does David Lynch. We're not going to do David Lynch. We're mm-hmm. going to do Maya Darren's Meshes of the Afternoon. And I said, they're like, fuck yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. This Very is what cool. I got my degree for. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. so fucking happy. And it's just, I love, it's just, that is why I love this show so much because it really is made with so much love and passion. They don't even give a shit that the target audience wouldn't know what this is referencing. Mm-hmm. Like the the Venn diagram, very small on yeah. that. Maya Darren fans and Ducktales fans. I don't believe there's much. Of, I think I might be the only person <laughs> in this overlap. The only person in the overlap. It's yeah. entirely possible. But uh-huh. I honestly, she is just absolutely amazing, and I really, really think that everyone should check out her work and be like blown away by how much she influenced movies that you know and love uh-huh and That's that has funny. been loose obscure media <laughs> recommendations corner <laughs> we can move maybe on maybe you should put that on the list yeah like oh I, I don't think this is like a podcast thing to talk about it's very like ooh, this is very we're taking uh. out our pipes and putting on our turtleneck sweaters kind of discussion. Yes. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, but it, it's very... I think that's so fascinating because I watched this whole nightmare sequence and I think I watched it twice because I was so fascinated by it. I was absolutely blown away by the visuals, by the way they managed to capture like the flavor and flair of a dream. It feels so surreal. I, I didn't know it was referencing anything, but I was like, oh my God, they captured it so well and there must have been like so much work put into this. Oh, you and... love Maya Doran. Yeah, so now to find out that it's actually referencing something, I'm really curious about <laughs> what that thing is, and I might want to watch it. I mean, I wrote a whole term paper about it. I was so passionate about her. Mm-hmm. I still am. That's very cool. Absolutely one of the greatest. Okay, 
So that um Yeah, also I mean we get Glomgold's backstory. We yeah. get to find out why he is the way he is. Very interesting. Very fun, by the way. Yeah, it <laughs> makes a lot of sense that uh like he decides then to to become uh the arch nemesis of Scrooge. So um and it was even like the the way they set up that plot twist that yes he is Duke Baloney, but he is also Glumgold. Yeah, uh, that was so good. Um, it felt like a lot more than twenty five minutes once again. Yeah, uh, like they pack so much in there, and uh, I also love that scene, like the flashback where he remembers um meeting Scrooge for the first time and that whole thing with the dime. It's so interesting because from from Scrooge's perspective, it makes absolute sense that to him, giving him this dime is a huge gesture and is like meaningful and important and more meaningful than giving him a lot of money. But of course, from the perspective of a little boy who wants to get rich and like not be a shoeshine for the rest of his life, it is of course absolute bullshit. So yeah. they're both very you they're know, both justified. wrong. They're both wrong yeah. in the situation, and that is very funny obviously Glumgold is absolutely overreacting by stealing from Scrooge and being like okay I will now form my entire personality <laughs> around beating you obviously yeah. not appropriate as a response uh, but Scrooge obviously also fucking dick move <laughs> absolutely yeah um and I, I love that I love that backstory um and I love getting this extra layer to this character that's more like you know uh, a comic relief guy who gets hurt a lot and uh, does these wild schemes a lot and then nothing comes of it Um, it's fun to to Mm. get more input Uh, on that. Apparently they did that because sort of Glomgold uh, Glomgold in like the comics and other adaptations like there are versions where he's South African versions where he's not and it's Mm -hmm. they wanted to combine them into one character and like explain where it comes from and I didn't have to do that but I thought it was a very funny touch yeah just a little trivia because I think it's possible to figure this out on your by yourself if you read the credits a little bit but um, Zen Olsen, who takes over Glomgold's uh, Glomgold Industries is a reference to Susanna Olsen who's a producer on the show. If you always oh. watch the credits and you see her name and then you hear the Zan Olsen, you're mm-hmm. like, wait, that's a, that's that's the same name. That is the nice. same name, but in DuckTales. And I thought that was a very sweet touch. Yeah, that's sweet. I just generally thought it was because she was an owl. I mean, but... he, that, it is because she's an owl, but... <laughs> to be they... fair, she looks a little bit more like a pigeon. And... <laughs> True. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what came first, the name or the fact that she's yeah. an owl, but probably the so, name. Very cool. And once again, I was sitting there this whole time thinking, like, oh, I do know the voice. Where do I know the voice from? Who is that? Um, then looking it up at, at the end and realizing, oh, she's the woman from the growth meme. And I only <laughs> know her voice from that one small clip, but apparently I've like listened to it a bunch of times. So. The growth meme. Yeah, the the one where she goes like, you know what that is? Growth. Interesting. Yeah, that's I her. Did I did not know that was her. Didn't I think I didn't watch anything else where she was, and she was also the teacher in Love Simon. Yeah, um, I, I I know I've seen her, but I didn't associate her with that meme. Yeah. Yes. So that's where I know her. That is from, so funny. Apparently. How appropriate. <laughs> yeah. 
So glad to to meet her um, in other circumstances and not just as a meme because I think she's doing an incredible job. I oh, yeah. uh, really hope she's going to be around because what a cool character, just this composed and, and calm businesswoman who doesn't have time for bullshit. I, I mean, not to spoil, but yeah, she she's around. She's nice. very good. Okay, can't wait. And then just a whole bunch of like amazing lines in this episode. Oh. Like, I wrote down so many. I didn't even write them down. I was like, this I can't, I can't start on this one. Yeah, I I think my favorite delivery was the one where like Duke slash Gongold goes like, hey, and then he gets zipped by a crab, and he goes, oh you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he gets zipped again and screams. Absolutely, like the comedy of that, and and the combination of like the visual and the the performance, so good. Also, when he explains his uh like big villain plan and goes like, yeah, and then we get our after we get our engineering degrees from yeah. the local community <laughs> college, <laughs> he just throws that in there. You get so many great lines. That's true. Yeah, uh, the the villain speech in general just so good, and the little doodles he makes with it, like the fact that he's in a like a scuba diving suit, um, and uh, the other two are for some like unexplained reason mer people. <laughs> <laughs> they he dry he draws he them with draws little, those like, people, fish tails. Yeah. So cool. Um I think he truly believes that they can do that. Yeah, yeah. I would believe they can do anything. They are amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um like the the bit where he has this this nightmare reference and then um like the the nightmare sequence and uh he goes uh, on about like his this stone that's made out of flint and is in the shape of a heart <laughs> and um and then go oh no this the, gold the is glooming on glooming onto me <laughs> it's absolutely incredible and then I think. I think my favorite bit was the the one where he screams at Scrooge in his office and goes like, "I'm unforgettable." <laughs> and he goes, "Are oh, you literally forgot yourself?" You literally forgot yourself. Yeah. Um, absolutely made me love and appreciate Glumgold as a character a lot more. Mm -hmm. He is so funny. Yeah, he is a lovable villain. It's mm -hmm. very much unlike others. <laughs> unlike others. All right, then let's move on to 2-4, the town where everyone was nice. And get ready for some lore, yeah, ooh, because yeah. I am about to talk for 20 minutes uninterrupted. Cool, cannot wait. Dropping. Right <laughs> <laughs> I can start right now. I think it would be good backstory for talking about the episode to explain who the hell these characters are and why are they here. I have an entire page of notes. Here <laughs> All we right, go. Go for it, yeah. So in this episode, we are introduced to uh, Jesse Carioca and Panchito Pistoles, who you probably guessed are already established characters if you didn't yeah. recognize them directly. I did. I recognized the, the green yeah. parrot guy. Not of sure course. about the other one. but So the uh, so the parrot, the green parrot, uh, Jesse Carioca, comes from the movie Saludos Amigos that came out in 1942. And Panchito, mm -hmm. um, Panchito and... Um, Jose were in Three Caballeros that came out in 1944. And they are like some of the most iconic Disney like creations. Movies is sort of a stretch because they're more like almost like smaller movies that were 
put together into one movie. And mm -hmm. the story here is wild because these movies were made in the 40s as part of the good neighbor policy. This US like actual political effort to mm -hmm. uh, create better relationships with the South of America. Like everything mm -hmm. south of the U.S., um, sort of to improve um, both like the image of the U.S. in those places uh, to be like, hey, we're good neighbors. We're not also trying to colonize you. Like, um. also mm -hmm. the tensions of World War Two, very big deal. They didn't want the, the they, 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 if anything, they didn't want that in America to like bond with the bad guys, and we're like. We we need to get them on our side. We need to them to see us as like the good guys and side mm -hmm. with us, but also to like improve the image of Latin America in the U.S. Yeah. So that people, you know, all these stereotypes that were very very prevalent, like the only thing people knew about those places, would you know be replaced by a better image, a more accurate image, if possible. And so they sent like these animators to Brazil and Mexico and were like, okay, so you just sort of create things based on your impressions there. Sort of the people, the music, the animals, the plants, everything. Mm -hmm. And they created some really, 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 really beautiful pieces. Disclaimer, not everything aged well. There are, mm -hmm. I mean, especially if you consider the effort was like a good image, no negative stereotypes. And there absolutely are negative stereotypes in there. But yeah. across the board, these movies were like they 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 didn't age so well that they're like forgotten like certain other Disney pieces. Mm -hmm. They were first of all well received in the countries they were supposedly representing because they also worked super closely with the people there. Like for example, Jose Carioca the parrot was created by a Brazilian animator and then adopted into the Disney canon. Mm -hmm. So. That is sort of, you know, you can see that there is a lot of collaboration and a lot of the music was already existing music from those places. So mm -hmm. um, they're very musical, these movies, and most of it wasn't written for Disney. So they just got the rights for it. Mm -hmm. And to me, they're also like, I remember them so well. When I was a kid, they were constantly on TV, I feel like, and I watched them so much. And when I rewatched them a couple of years ago when I got Disney+, Plus. I was just hit with this wave of nostalgia where I was oh, like, okay. I haven't heard these melodies in years. I haven't seen these characters in years. And I had almost forgotten that I even knew them at all. And mm -hmm. like every second was like just just huge amount of serotonin. Because I was like, of course I remember this. Oh my God, this is beautiful. And like, especially like the parts that focus on like the two characters. But it, just mm -hmm. in general, if you can look past sort of the less... Um, well-aged parts you find just the most beautiful art and it's kind of experimental like they mix a lot like a lot of mixed media like live mm -hmm. action characters talking to the animated characters and very creative ways to use the medium of animation and mm -hmm. especially like music and animation and how film and movement and music go together there's some beautiful parts there and Especially Jesse Carioca, I adore. I love this character so much. His original design is beautiful. Like he's dapper and he's very fluidly mm -hmm. animated. And uh, his voice actor, who is actually the guy who gave the character the name, his stage name was Zekarioka. Mm -hmm. And um, so they just sort of, that was 
the character was named after the voice actor sort of kind of a thing mm-hmm. and the way he talks was so pleasant like his portuguese accent like brazilian portuguese accent is so pleasant and he gets to talk a lot of uh, like brazilian mm-hmm. portuguese as the character like he comes like you see him being created on screen and he just talks brazilian portuguese no english at first mm-hmm. and it's very fascinating to have like this animation where you're like oh i don't know what he's saying but he sounds cool and he looks cool and he moves very cool and he loves donald yeah. duck and it's very fascinating what's happening here mm-hmm. and it's just truly one of my favorite experiences watching these back because it's just i love looking at the character design and the way he's animated and everything it's just mm-hmm. a perfect little like gem from this time and the character was very well received not just by me but all of brazil fucking loves mm-hmm. that bird like he's nice. he's like i think he's bigger than mickey mouse in brazil he has his yeah. own life over there his own comics his own characterization his own story he's just he's there he belongs to them mm-hmm. um and i think that's very beautiful like yes there are parts of these movies that you know should you know really be talked about but yeah their their core influence was so like wonderful and beautiful and just this expression of joy and love for the music and the food and the everything and um then yeah it was very well received so then they also went on to make three caballeros where the character came back and they also introduced the mexican panchito pistoles Mm-hmm. and this is truly it is an experience it's, I think Three Caballeros is a little like aged a little worse than uh, probably Saludos Amigos did um, but it's again like this wild mix of all sorts of like medias and just these wild ideas and everything is like removed from a narrative like they're not there there is a story but there isn't a story you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just they're thrown into these like places just representing what the animators experienced and saw and it's almost like it has almost a level of documentary even where mm-hmm. it's just like oh and here we are in this city and it's just it's like a fascinating it's 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 wild what they did with these and i think a lot of it is really really stunning and still very fun to watch and like the song that they sing in this episode the three caballeros comes obviously from this movie mm-hmm. um and a lot of people know this you probably heard this one before at one point i feel like yeah it could be the melody must be familiar and mm-hmm. what i also didn't know until very recently is that the song was also not written for this movie it is just new lyrics put on an already existing song um, called Ay Jalisco No Te Rajes, that came from a movie that's completely unrelated. It's just, but Disney was like, oh, I love this one. Can we use that? <laughs> Can we nice. write okay. new lyrics that fit our story and use that? <laughs> so none, most people just know this as the Three Caballeros song, even though that's not what that originally was. Hmm. Also, it has, like, the original line is, we're three caballeros, three gay caballeros, because back then that just meant happy. And yep. that is a very much a theme in Three Caballeros. Like, both Jose and Panchito have such big gay vibes for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, they adore Donald to, like, a, like beyond normal degree. I, like, it's not okay. just, like, admiration for some guy, but, like, oh, yeah, okay, that that's 
what is happening here? Um, probably not intentionally. Not intentionally, I assume, but it's very fun to watch. I mean, who knows? Who very knows? affectionate because they were like, ah, yes, the Latinos, very affectionate people. They kiss and they hug and they embrace and they declare their love. <laughs> and that worked out well for us. Amazing. <laughs> it's just, you know, Donald and his two boyfriends. <laughs> no, literally, that is, if you watch those movies, that is 100% the vibe. That is Donald and his two boyfriends. That's okay. exactly what it is. Excellent. Um, and. Yeah, that all being said, I do think that this iteration of them, because they've been in so many, they've been adapted hundreds of times in comics and movies and mm. shows and everything. They've appeared so many times. Their character, des character designs have changed. But I do believe that this version is their weakest because mm. they have to change so much to make them fit the DuckTales universe that mm -hmm. it sort of it replaces a lot of the things that are really wonderful about the original character design with like, okay normal things like the animation has to be changed to fit and obviously a lot of that have been changed for a while now like there uh, for example jose has a cigar originally and mm -hmm. panchito his pistoles obviously and mm -hmm. that is not appropriate for a modern child audience anymore so they remove those and that like you lose a lot of ways that they were originally animated if mm -hmm. you remove those yeah and just in general like the animation is obviously that is also like the um just the way the characters look is changed just because it has to fit into this world yeah. and also it's like they can't be contained by a narrative so giving them like stories like this guy is uh has a job as a flight attendant like that doesn't work for these characters like they have to be like they, in, in these original movies they're almost like trickster gods like they just mm -hmm. appear out of thin air and they can do wild magic things and literally yeah. lit they literally talk about just they're doing black magic it's not like they're not normal people in this yeah. stuck universe they're like completely ethereal just not just not following normal rules mm -hmm. and they, they almost create the world they live in so having them just sort of squashed down to just yeah. guys who live in this world of the Duckburg. It's, uh, it loses a lot of the appeal of I the characters, see. I have to say. Yeah, somehow I did kind of like connect this image of uh, Jose with like also supernatural stuff or like being able yeah. to do things that he shouldn't be able to do. Yeah, he's um, very much has that vibe. And I, that is also I, like why he's so appealing as a character originally because mm -hmm. it's like you watch him just do wild things like it's just he moves like no other animated characters move before and mm -hmm. just creates things and they really they really played so much and it's mm. it's it loses a lot unfortunately okay i even, see i see That's even though they did a really good job but it's just as someone who really adores these characters i was a little disappointed by this version but not in like a huge way just like oh it, okay i get it like oh yeah i don't know how else they would have done it i guess mm. I bet the idea is cute that they used to be college roommates. Cute idea. Yeah. And I love the... the. It is a good story to go from, like, these a little bit larger-than-life characters who just drop out of the sky in this plane and uh, who are so, like, fancy and exciting to them going, like, oh, yeah, we kind of all lie to each <laughs> other. Because that's, like, such a common theme for people who meet up after years and re years. And yeah, just, the story is try to really good, each other. yeah. So I, yeah. I do think it's good. And I mean, if they had to do it with any characters, I'm glad it was them. Mm -hmm. 
That Thank was you for my info dump. That. that was oh, the reduced version. I had more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you can tell me all about that later. Just Maybe a little. You'll... I mean, I couldn't. Like, this is what I was talking about when I said season f- uh, two is packed with lore. Mm-hmm. This is so much stuff. Like, I was briefly thinking about giving you Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros as homework. But I was like, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm just going to tell you about it. And then you decide if you want to watch it later. Yeah, honestly, um, you, next time, if you think like something like that, you can just send it to me. I can still decide if I'm going to watch yeah, it or not. But or I think it's, yeah, it's be- yeah, it's it's worth a watch anyway. Yeah. I mean, outside of the Three Caballeros, um, I love the sibling interactions in this one. Especially oh, yeah. the bit where they all watch the secret handshake. Um, and then Huey turns around excitedly and goes like, <laughs> offers a high five and Louis licks his hand. Such um, a good gag. Yeah, that had such sibling energy. And then um, also, um, he, uh, like, the, the whole time where... Uh, Dewey and Louis walk around with their phones and especially Dewey trying to document everything for his followers like going from this idea that he has this like secret um, talk show where nobody's there to deciding now he's gonna be an influencer um, that fits well together (laughs) also gave me I don't know if I would say it gave me joy, but it definitely produced one of the most insane quotes from this episode. <laughs> I, where where we go? Yeah. Goes, I, Why did you take any <laughs> pictures of people's feet? <laughs> was, also, the um, way Louis yeah. responds with "because that would be weird." I don't. <laughs> it's also I, that is also the one I wrote down because that is truly one of my favorite lines in the entire show yeah. because it's just obviously we know why Webby is asking that but the, just the fact that they sat down and were like now if someone came up to you and said that how would you react <laughs> to that? <laughs> yeah, yes. So that was incredible. Why don't you have any pictures of people's feet? <laughs> because that would be weird. I I don't. Yeah. Very good. Um, Classic. Also, the yeah. donkey is so adorable. I don't know why they made the donkey so cute, but every time I watch yeah. the episode, I'm like, this is the cutest character design I've ever seen. With his big, big ears. <laughs> so adorable. Also, absolutely love Scrooge in this one. David Tennant giving it his all as the petty old man. The, 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 that and the one where, where Donald goes like, I'm not, I've done nothing with my life. I'm a failure. And he goes like, oh, yeah, that has never that has bothered, bothered you before. before. <laughs> <laughs> very good, yeah. He's absolutely very good brutal and absolutely something that he would say, but wow. Um, the dynamic that Donald and Scrooge has have, that's absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. Also, the... I feel like the whole thing with the with junior woodchucks mm-hmm. might lead to something because it has come up twice now like once with the with the um suing badge um and that he is now a senior junior woodchuck i think um and now he's like just casually throwing in there that he needs his improv uh, theater marriage badge um, merit badge, not marriage badge. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm wondering if that's leading up to something bigger. I mean, it's just sort of part of the character. So yeah, it I mean, is, but it, it felt it does like... become bigger in the sense that Huey gets more focused at one point, mm-hmm. and that is just sort of 
a very important part of his life because yeah. he has this guidebook that he can follow and technically he's supposed to have a community there with uh, the woodchucks and mm -hmm. it, it does come up more and in a bigger capacity but it's not like mm -hmm. I mean I wouldn't say that it's gonna be sort of huge plot twisty thing it's okay. just just part yeah. of his character like Dewey has his desire to become famous mm -hmm. and Louis wants you know to, to find a way to make money himself and become rich mm -hmm. Huey is you know a passionate woodchuck of course it's it's a theme already in in season one it just feels like it gets a little more attention now that's what I meant yeah. um like yeah and and also with Louis um like we already know know these characters now, but the stuff we know about them gets more depth, and yeah. then also they get other stuff that we learn about them. And I think that's a very like cool way to to do a season two, um, to really like work with what you already have and still find ways to add on to it. Like the fact that now Louis apparently has like a, a business <laughs> that's all about adventuring and making money with adventuring. Um, yep. Like yeah. I said, season two is Louis focused. And yeah. That is very good. The focus. Also, this like this episode really got me because I read the title. I was like the town where everyone was nice. Okay, yeah. So be like the people being nice are it's that's gonna be a a thing, and then we go into the episode and so much is happening with the three caballeros and all of that and them uh like uh it, all the the selfies and stuff. And by the point we really get to the people being creepily nice, I forgot about the <laughs> title. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they got me. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You already forgot that was supposed to be a plot twist and stuff. You were just happy yeah, to be here. <laughs> like a plot twist and things going wrong in my, my doctor's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. That's Nothing. like the the woe moment before the fall. <laughs> Wait, Before what? the wait, what? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I think that's all I had for for that one. Yeah, I mean, I already dumped everything I have yeah. on that one. Really good. It's really Season good. Season two. Season two. I'm so happy. Off to a strong start, and it does so not get strong. weaker. It just keeps going like this. I think, yeah, it, like. I actually have to do research now. I have to look look stuff up for you now. Like I can't just okay. coast on my general knowledge of Ducktales. I have to actually look stuff up now because the lore is gonna be so dense now. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of like I feel even in the background things are like being implied and happening. That yeah, we. I, I think we probably to. barely scratched the surface here, to be quite mm -hmm. honest. I, but that's like with all big franchises, especially ones that are so old by now. Yeah. Like you never can fully get the the grasp on all of it. Please ask me who my favorite character is. I was about to do. I was about to say we're going to our <laughs> usual end of the episode questions. Who is has your favorite character changed? Yeah, my favorite character is a non-binary Fisher person. 100%. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. I love that. Fuck, I love fuck Gyro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, because he's still pretty good. But yeah. this this person, absolutely incredible. Like the design, the voice acting, I love all of that. Yeah, they were perfect. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, mine mm -hmm. forever and ever. Dewey in this batch, 
that didn't even feature any of my other favorite characters. It's just doing this one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. obviously, Jose Carioca is my favorite character in the entire universe of DuckTales, but not this version of him. Yeah. That's but in fair. general, it is him. I'm in love with this bird. Mm-hmm. Unironically, he's perfect. Yeah. And I'm also, I think I said this before, like, I want to see more Donald. I'm glad that Donald is around a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it is explained by the fact that now everything about Della is out in the open, or I'm not sure if it's everything, but, you know, they can talk about this now, and that explains why, um, or to me, it explains why Donald and Scrooge probably have an easier time interacting with each other. Um, it's... It, feels like there it's a good setup to bring Donald into the mix more and that makes me very happy. Yeah. Um so like favorite episode out of these or like most memorable episode. But oh, for yeah. season 2 it's going to be difficult because truly every episode is the standout episode of season 2. Yeah. All of these were absolute bangers. That's so difficult. Okay, let let me just think about this. I mean, it's hard because, like, the first one has all of the characters interacting with each other, and I love that, and that's fun. Like, the second episode has, like, way less of these characters. Like, it's mostly uh, Dewey and Huey. Um, But I did love the whole... I think in, in itself, it's the most, like... How do the most episode? The most episode. Fuck yeah! It certainly is an episode. Like no, it's generally to me, it is a whole movie with a whole plot and everything. Um, So yeah, that that might be the one. I love absolutely love the aesthetics of episode three. By the way, I think it's so fascinating that most of it is like in this whole like. the the whole um, harbor area like the the fishing bay is such like all in gray and they managed to pull it off and not make it look look like very depressing mm-hmm. that's so fascinating how do they yep. do that I don't know they're very good at th- what they do they're they're so good at what they do um, and that yeah aesthetically episode three like character wise episode one uh, plot wise episode two and um, a lot of lot of stuff going on episode four yeah. <laughs> all the lore episode four yeah <laughs> so yeah all of them is that very a good yeah, answer? A great answer always yeah. and of course um, any new thoughts on what animal bird you would be in the Ducktales universe. Yeah, I have given it some thought. I and know. That's, that's something that ap- happened away from microphones. Um, so I uh, just just vibes based. I have decided I want to be a duck now. Very <laughs> Which good. Is all due, uh, due to the fact that I met a very cool duck a few days ago <laughs> based on nothing in universe. Mm. I just want to be a duck now. <laughs> Great. I love that. Very good. Yeah. But then again, like the character designs of the i think it was like the the one one of them was a seagull and the other was an albatross probably yeah or a pelican i'm not sure a pelican could also be those designs were so cool so yeah i will think about that as well for a while <laughs> and obviously i mean kind of weird because we're in a sort of every episode is a contained movie kind of vibe right now but any theories what are you expecting of the next couple of episodes so, or the future yeah, in I, general like ugh. i have 
one theory. It's not fully fully fleshed out yet. I will have to think about that more. But the the whole thing, like that bat uh, that uh, Glumgold and um, Scrooge have going now, feels like it might lead up to something like to a situation where Scrooge is faced is going to be faced with a decision between like his company and all this money and resources versus his family or maybe even Della or saving Della something like that um I can see that leading somewhere like he is so competitive which is also something we're reminded of in the first episode with the games night Mm -hmm. um, the board game night um and like winning is more important to him than most other things so that might you know bring some some issues very good very good very excited all right and i think that brings us to the end uh so yeah then in that case um that's it thank you all for listening and uh, we want to thank mykonos salome on tumblr for our cover art and if you want to talk to us you can find us on tumblr and tiktok at gtsy podcast or find us on twitter at crimcast or send us an email at crimcast at gmail.com do we have any outro three caballeros three gay caballeros say we are birds of a feather bye bye, bye. <laughs>